We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Geo Baker, Megan McEwen in the house. How's everyone doing so far tonight, fellas? We've got a wonderful Sunday night, a couple of uh, big games. I know, Geo, you've been better. Awful Sunday night. Awful sweatshirt. Yeah, I was going to say, all all I know is I'm better than Geo Baker, despite the demise of my fantasy football team happening in real time. So, yeah, I've been better. I've been better for sure. But it's good to see you guys. You know, and sometimes you got to play hurt. You got to come on here and you got to give a best performance. So, you know, this is like your Jordan flu game kind of on field of 68. Absolutely agree. All right. Let's start with our toast of the night. Like we start every Field of 68 after dark, we give a toast to just somebody or something we want to give a shout out to. Kevin Sweeney, do you want to start? Sure. Yes. My my toast of the night is to the uh to the Mountain West. The Mountain West is the only league with multiple teams still undefeated. They have three. No one else has more than one. So want to see mid-majors get in the NCAA tournament. That league is is carrying its weight. Now the A-10 has struggled, uh, the Missouri Valley has struggled. Uh, a lot of the leagues that traditionally produce multiple bids have struggled, but uh the mountain west is not shout out to utah state umlv and uh new mexico all all sitting there undefeated still there we go cheers to the mountain west mm. geo what you got for us uh, so my toast of the night was going to go to Rutgers. i had it planned the whole day and um you know had to switch it up last second so i wanted to give a toast tonight to marquette's cam jones um you know honestly just fully balled out today 25 points 10 to 20 from the floor. Um, it's always hard to win on the road in college basketball. So big respect to him and what he's doing. And um, yeah, big, big shout out to Marquette as well. So All cheers right. To- cheers to the night. Um, I'm going to get my toast the night um, 24 hours later to the Loyola Ramblers of Chicago for knocking off Clemson in Atlanta. Big one for the Blurs. Needed it. Convincing win over ACC team. So to the Blurs, here's my toast. Toast to the Blurs, yeah. All right, let's transition to today. Tennessee taking on um, Maryland. I'm like, what game are we talking about? Tennessee, Maryland, big game. Very interesting game because it was a blowout in the first half. Tennessee up 34-17 over the Terps. Everyone thought it was all said and done. The Maryland comes out, has a fantastic second half. This game ends up being a three-point win by Tennessee. Geo. What was your biggest takeaway from Tennessee's performance? Who, by the way, lost to Colorado earlier this year and has kind of come back and proven to be a true top 10 team. 
Listen, my like my first initial reaction from watching them is they are tough. They are a very tough team. Maryland is not a soft team by by any standards. If you go back and watch the game, they were screening Tennessee hard as hell on every single possession. But Tennessee continued to get over the screens. And the fact that they won that game, like they shot under 30% from the floor. They shot like 30% from three. You know, great teams just find ways to win. And they they found a way to win just from playing tough and playing defense, playing physical. It was ugly, but but they got it done. So ugly, by the way, Tennessee shot 29% from the field, Maryland 33% from the field, Kevin Sweeney, not a pretty shooting game by any means. Yeah, it it wasn't pretty. And I I actually thought there was a lot to like if you were Maryland. I think this was a performance of the second half that you can build off because I think there was a resilience about this group that was different from what we've seen in the past with with some of these guys like Adante Scott and Hakeem Hart. Like those dudes just did not go away in the second half. They had every reason to. The shots were not falling. They were two for 24 from three and just found a way to battle and battle. And honestly, if not for a couple calls not going their way, I know there was a big turning point, um, I think, with maybe five minutes to go where it looked like Jameer Young got fouled and he fell over into the backcourt and they call the backcourt violation. Um, Probably should have been a foul. There was a couple other moments like that that just were the difference. And when you're trying to come back from, I think, 21 down against a team like Tennessee, it needs to, you, you need a couple breaks. They didn't get those breaks. But with the exception of, of that, I, I thought they played an almost flawless second half. They really defended. Uh, they battled on the glass. I was really impressed with Julian Reese on the glass. Yes. He stepped up in a major way. I know Tennessee was just sending bodies after bodies. And when he was off the floor, it, it didn't feel like Maryland had a chance uh, on the on the boards. But I thought Maryland in the second half did a much better job Uh, and was able to hang in, especially when Reese was out there. So I thought a lot to be positive about if you're Maryland, like that, that game proved to me that they can go into a grinder game in the big 10 and, and hang around with some of the best teams in this conference. But at the end of the day, Tennessee's the best defense in in the country. Uh, This is, you know, every, this is the type of game they're happy to play. And they found a way despite obviously not shooting the ball well themselves. I'm with you on Julian Reese as well. He was fantastic down the stretch, like from a rebounding standpoint, but I also thought he made excellent decisions. He got into a little foul trouble and credit Kevin Willard for keeping him in with four fouls. He played for a good five minutes, I would say, with those four fouls and just made an impact offensively and defensively. At all times, Tennessee had to focus on where he was on the floor. Yeah, he got a lot better. All those guys got better, like Reese, Hart. Dante Scott, um, you know, that's and honestly, that's a credit to Kevin Willard. I think even like preseason, I think I under underestimated Kevin Willard a little bit in his player development. Like you can tell that all those guys have really been in the gym and he's a player's coach too. like talked about him trusting Reese in that situation. Um, you know, that gives Reese confidence, too. I mean, you played against these guys last year, Gio, and, you know, this is a team that was down 17 in the first half. They only put up 17 points in the first half playing against a top 10 team, but they never gave up. So there's a mindset shift as well in College Park, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Again, that's credit to Kevin Willard. I mean, he's a real intense dude, uh, really smart coach, right? And, um, you know, they're executing a lot better. They're a lot tougher on defense this year than they were last year. Um, you know, they're going to have a good year, right? Obviously it's college basketball. They've lost two games in a row, but um, they have that senior leadership now where I think they're going to bounce back and and be fine. You guys have had the opportunity to see, you know, some big 10 at this point, you have a pretty good sample size of the different conferences between the ACC, the big 10, the SEC. I want to put you both on the spot here at this point in the season, who is the best conference? I mean, I'll take the big 10 just because I think night after night, the challenges in this league. I mean, really outside of, of Minnesota, uh, who hasn't been the most competitive, 
like one through 13, this thing has been competitive. Like Nebraska won at uh, Creighton and then was really, really tough yesterday. Had a real chance to win mm-hmm. late in that game against uh, Purdue. Uh, Northwestern won at Breslin, which is not an easy task. Um, they've been, I think, a little bit better than people would have anticipated. Penn State wins at Illinois. They really yeah. shoot it. Like, I just think the battles night in and night out are, are what separates this league. And I do think there's legit power at the top, right? Like Purdue is proven. They go to PK 85, they win, they beat Duke and Gonzaga by 37 combined points. Illinois beats Texas this week. Uh, Wisconsin deserves a lot of love. They're, you know, two and zero in the league and um, has cer- certainly been really, really good. Like, I, I just think the big 10 is in such a good place right now. And I, ju- I just think depth wise, that really sets them apart compared to some of the other top conferences in the country. Yeah, I don't really think I have much to add to that. I mean, top to bottom, Big Ten is just an, a war night in and night out. And I don't think that any of the other conferences have really proven that um, in, in out-of-conference play so far. We're going to get into this Iowa-Wisconsin game that had a wild finish tonight. Um, more on the Big Ten later, but it's an, an interesting conversation to have because, I mean, Gio, you played in the Big Ten. The biggest knock on the Big Ten is that, hey, you always have these great regular seasons where you're beating the crap out of each other. You say you're the best conference, but then nobody can really make it past the sweet 16. So, okay. Will that be different this year? Going to be interesting to find out. Want to pivot here one moment, go to Tennessee. Again, we talked about it earlier, lost to Colorado early in the season after everyone was kind of high on them. Everyone kind of thought that maybe they were chips, not, not really up to snuff, but have they proven that they really are a top 10 team here to stay Kevin? I think they have. Um, I mean, look, they've been utterly dominant. I mean, they they beat a solid Butler team by 26 at Atlantis. They beat Kansas by 15. They've won their bye games going away. I mean, you're running through 36 against McNeese, 44, well, 54 against Alcorn, 35 against Eastern Kentucky. No, that's not a murderer's row. But you watch every night, some of these teams give tests to high-major opponents, right? I mean, even, even the top teams in the country. And Tennessee has not been – tested at all by some of these teams. I mean, they are just so overwhelming on that end of the floor. My, my view on the Colorado game, it, it was just a stinker. Like, like these happen. And, and when there's a 100%. small sample size, I think there's a, there's a tendency to, to overreact. And like, at the end of the day, if they lost to Colorado on a Saturday in late January, when there's a gazillion other games going on and everyone else is paying attention to other things, you'd be like, Oh, wow. Weird upset. Okay. Moving on. Right. And you drop them like three in the rankings and no one would care. Um, but because it was that first week, there was nothing going on. There was like, I think it was like the only ranked game of the day. Everyone's like, oh, my, oh, I guess Tennessee sucks now. Tennessee blew out Gonzaga like two weeks before in a uh, televised exhibition game. Like they're top 15 in the country. They bring everybody back. Like that team's going to be really good. And they have been. I think the difference for them since that Colorado game is that they've just gotten much more consistent play from Sakai Ziegler, who made some huge shots today. He, he was Terrific My favorite player, maybe in college awesome. basketball. He's awesome. And, and he's so a great quick. story. Yeah. Just just so terrific in, in every way. Defensively, uh, took care of the ball today against heavy pressure, only one turnover. That's huge. Like Rick Barnes really challenged Kai Ziegler after that Colorado game. Took him out of the starting lineup. He hasn't started since, but I think his play since that game has helped turn this thing around for, for Tennessee after a really disappointing start of the year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and even in and going back to what I was saying before, like they've they've been dominant, but even today when they weren't as dominant, 
finding ways to win. Like that's what top 10 teams do, right? When, when you're having an awful shooting day, nothing is going your way. How else are you going to find a way to win the game? And I mean, they did that today and, and, you know, they've proven so far they are definitely a top 10 team. And I, I only see that going forward. I mean, they did beat Kansas by 14. Yeah. Right. I mean, come on, this is still a very good team about to compete in one of arguably the best conference in the country coming up here very soon. So that's going to be interesting to see how it progresses down the stretch. Before we move off topic from this game, was tonight more so a reflection of Tennessee grinding out and winning a game? Or was it more so a reflection of or shooting poorly? Or was Maryland's defense just that good to force Tennessee to shoot poorly? I mean, Tennessee missed a lot of good looks at the basket during that yeah. comeback. Obviously, yeah, the first half too, they they were, they started off missing like every layup. Yeah. Like I like I I think Maryland's good defensively, but like Tennessee should have scored seven today. Like they had those opportunities. Yeah. I think when they watch back the film, they're like, we live, we'll live with that shot. We live with that shot. We live with that shot. They just didn't go down. Yeah, I, mean, I, I 100% agree. Like for these games, if you like offense, this was really not a night for you to tune in to college basketball. A lot of shots missed. Maybe some good defense will give some people the benefit of the doubt. But overall, a big yikes on the offensive side. All right, let's move to some ACC action here with Virginia Tech. Beating Oklahoma State 70 to 65. I mean, the Hokies are on a roll. Are they're the real deal, Sweeney? What's going on here? I, I think it's time to start talking about them as a legit ACC championship contender. I know they don't maybe have the top end talent that North Carolina, Duke, and Virginia have, but the way they played, like they were one shot away from beating Charleston on the road and being undefeated at this point, probably being in everyone's top 15. Right. Mm-hmm. They've got legit wins. They won beat Penn State on neutral court, blew out Dayton, uh, handled North Carolina relatively easily, controlled today's game against Oklahoma State for the most part throughout. Mm-hmm. And I think the scariest thing is they still haven't shot the ball at a super high level from three. And this is a team that has legit shooters like Darius Maddox can really shoot it. Hunter Couture is one of the best shooters in the country. Padula has been awesome. Like they have three legit guards who can really make shots. One of the best glue guys in the country and Justin Mutz, who had six steals today. Uh, and, and the transfer center, Grant Bazilli from Wright State, has been huge for them in replacing Kevin Aluma. Like to me, they might be the most overlooked team in the country in terms of how good they've been. And I think they have a real opportunity to be right there in the top uh, of the ACC and contend for that conference championship. Yeah, no, I, de- I definitely agree. I mean, I, I love Padula's game, man. Like, the way he was playing, he got a little bit of Colin Gillespie in him a little bit. Like, the, you know, he started posting up. He's a high IQ guard. And, like, when you have a player like that who is playing so aggressive and and you know that he can score, but he has that IQ where he's looking to find guys, that's dangerous at all times. And then on top of that, their defense, like, everything off a of pick and roll, their rotations were great. They were perfect. Everyone was talking. They seem, like, super connected right now, which a lot of teams in college basketball this early just aren't. Sure. Well, and they're holding teams to under 64 points a game, which is pretty good. What's impressive to me, too, is, I mean, I don't care what you say, like strength of schedule wise. But look, you just strung together wins in a row from Oklahoma State, Dayton, North Carolina, Minnesota, Charleston Southern. They had a two point loss to College of Charleston. They also beat Penn State earlier this year, who's kind of come out as really one of the dark horses potentially in the Big Ten. So they're winning tough games. And they're winning them early on, which is a time that we've seen across the country. A lot of teams are losing early on because the chemistry just isn't there yet. I think that's a credit to Mike Young. I mean, Mike Young 
is one of the best, I think, X's and O coaches in the country uh, in, in terms of the stuff that they run to get their shooters good looks. And I think the job that they did in player development to get Padula ready to be an everyday point guard this offseason and also get guys like Darius Maddox to come along. I mean, th- those were spots where I think if you look nationally in college basketball, you'd say, OK, graduating point guard, graduating your best, you know, one, of your, one of your best shooters. Let's go in the portal and replace it. Right. And he said, look, I've got guys in my program that I can believe in and develop and get them ready. Like Sean Padula was not this guy last year. He showed some flashes, but, you know, he the growth he has shown in the past year has been really impressive. And part of that's recruiting. But I think a lot of that is also the job that they do in player development and then running stuff to make the, make sure those guys are comfortable. I mean, he's, he's blossomed into one of the best point guards in the ACC. And, and that's a huge credit to, to the job that he does. Uh, and Mike Young does, excuse me, in, in player development. Well, how many points did he average? That? He averaged like four points last year. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. No, that's a big jump. Big jump. Good jump. Speaking of jumping, let's jump to the Big Ten now, where we have our Big Ten expert, Geo Baker, in the house with us. Wisconsin-Iowa. Fantastic game down the stretch. Iowa, wild sequence of events, two steals in regulation to eventually lead to a Patrick McCaffrey three to tie it up. We go into overtime. Scani ends up pulling it out in that extra time. On the road at Iowa, which, as you know, Kevin Sweeney, so difficult to win there. And Geo Baker, you know personally how hard it is to win at Iowa. Why is this Wisconsin team starting to come together, Kevin? Well, I think it took them a little bit of time offensively to figure out, like, what they were going to do when they wound up in late shot clock situations. It's funny. I remember talking to Zach Eady of Purdue in in Portland in one of the press conferences said, one of the reasons we've been so good is when we run bad offense and we just get into a pick and roll situation, we've been really, really good. And I just think early on Wisconsin struggled when they were in quote unquote bad offense situations. I think they're starting to come along there. It's still not going to be a strength of theirs just because I don't think any of their guards necessarily have that ability to go create off the bounce. But I think Connor Asijin has, has really helped them obviously shot the ball incredibly well so far and um, had some big plays today uh, to, to help them get over the finish line in, in this one. So to me, like, I, I still don't watch them and come away overwhelmed with the talent. But when your guards make threes like Hepburn and the season do, when you have a guy who can pass like Tyler Wall does out of the post and in different areas on the court, it just it just gives you an opportunity to win and oftentimes win ugly. And that's what they did today. I mean, how many teams could take the punch that this team did on the road, get forced to go to overtime when you feel like you have the game won and come out of there with a victory? Like, Kevin, they've been winning ugly all season. I, I, so they always I feel like, I feel like every, ugly. Year, every year you're never overwhelmed by Wisconsin's talent like even last year like yeah. I think they were picked like preseason like 11 or 10 like no one no one, even with Johnny Davis no one expected them to be as good as they were but at the end of the day they have their system right Wisconsin has that system that they play they're gonna play slow methodical right and they're deliberate they get stuff done at the end of the day they're just plugging guys into that system and it works every single year and every year we underrate them every time Gio how frustrating is it though as a player when you're going against a team that deliberately slows the ball down which is why they won tonight by the way because Iowa just wants to score I just want to get up and down and play games so in order to beat them you got to slow them down when you're playing a team like Wisconsin that's so good at slowing teams down how frustrating is that as a player it's tough because you think about um you know, for Iowa, right? You don't want to spend 
20 seconds, 25 seconds, 30 seconds, just playing defense the whole time. And no. it's so annoying. And, and every single guy is posting you up, right? You're getting posted up every single session. And for a team that wants to get out and run and, and have fun and play offense, it gets super frustrating. Like, and even for us, we were never a pretty offensive team, but to, to guard for that long and, and knowing that every single guy can potentially score on you, it's, it's tough. It's a tough time for as a player. We had a chance to talk to Tyler Wall after the game, and we're going to run it now because that's why we have producer Trevor with us. And joining us now, the man of the hour, Wisconsin's Tyler Wall, hanging out in Carver-Hawkeye Arena. He waved all of the Iowa fans out of the arena now. He's all alone. Tyler, fantastic finish to this game. Iowa forces overtime, but you guys go on to come out with the win. What was the difference in overtime for your team? Um, I mean, I feel like we're – we, we thought we should have had it done um, in regulation, but we kind of had some slip-ups down the stretch. Um, and so we had guys on this floor. Um, we've just been in the situations all year. This is our third or fourth overtime game. Um, we lost our first one, but this seems just really battle-driven. Um, we got a lot of tough guys that want to win. So we were diving on the floor, and it was just that extra one at the end. I know we, we got a few loose balls, um, and that was really the difference there in overtime. Yeah, Tyler, I know when we, we caught up with you at Media Day in, in October, you, you guys seemed like you felt a little disrespected by where people were picking you in the league. I saw you were wearing a Big Ten championship ring uh, to Media Day. What does it mean to start 2-0? And do you guys, have you guys kind of kept that chip on your shoulder throughout this start? Yeah, I mean, it's huge. Um, everyone wants to start the league 2-0. You get those two games uh, here in December, um, and they're really big. They kind of set the, set the stage for what the season has, has to offer. Um, and so we came in with a with a laser focus coming into these two Big Ten games, um, sticking together, battling through adversity, um, and it's just huge. Um, we'll keep we'll try to keep it rolling, um, and just get better every day. Uh, we got these non-conference games, and then we jump back in, um, which will be great little learning tools for us um, coming up. I mean, not only are you you winning conference games, but you're winning on the road, and this is a rivalry game with you and Iowa. Uh, for someone like you, like how good does this feel to kind of be able to, like I said, you wave to the fans afterwards, you're talking a little bit of trash, but it's it's fun, right? Like how does this one really sit with your team considering the fact that you have been underrated? I mean, yeah, basketball is just a fun game. You got to go out there, have fun. Um, end of the day, it's just two, five, two teams of five guys just going out there playing basketball. Um, it's really good for us. Um, and I'm just really excited for what this team has to offer for the upcoming season what's been the adjustment like for you guys offensively with without Johnny Davis and how has uh, the emergence of a guy like Connor Asijin helped uh, help deal with that loss? I mean, yeah, it's, it's been kind of interesting figuring it out going into the year because um, Johnny and Brad both put up a lot of points, a lot of minutes last year. So guys are trying to figure out their roles. Um, and I think we're doing a pretty good job. We got a lot of things to, to tighten up still, but uh, we got a lot, we got a lot of work on, but I do like what we saw, what we've seen so far this year. What was Coach Guard saying to you guys in the locker room afterwards? Uh, well, we're stopping at Uno's Pizza, and that was that was one of the main things. Let's go get some pizza. Uno's Pizza, that's what Wisconsin gets after wins. Yeah, and that's, that's the recipe for success. You know how it goes. Oh, man. All right, so we do have a couple of hard-hitting questions here for you. Are you more a, is it a wing stop or Buffalo Wild Wings guy? W- wing stop for sure. Do you order your own order when you're there? <laughs> um, no, I don't order my order anymore. Uh, it's off the menu. But I, I like to switch it up, whatever I'm feeling. Uh, we'll, it depends on the night. You know. I get it. 100%. Sweeney, what you got? Uh, 
who's who's the biggest comedian on this Wisconsin basketball team? Oh, hopefully I can flip this camera around. This is the biggest comedian right here. <laughs> <laughs> Making faces, trying to trying to mess me up, but yeah, Chucky Chucky's definitely number one. I love it. Uh, now you guys coming up here the next week. You guys have a little bit of time with the finals coming up and everything. How do you guys kind of plan on approaching the next couple of weeks? Could you have a little bit of a break before conference play really gets going? Um, yeah, I think I think Coach Starr's done a good job. Um, our schedule's out. Um, my off days sprinkled in along with practices, so we're, we're not causing it too much trouble um, away from basketball. So we're going to lock in, um, learn from these games, from what we've done so far, um, and just continue to get better day by day. What's the uh, what what's the how how different is the locker room energy at two and zero in the Big Ten versus where you guys were? Um, I gotta get going, course. but I gotta get going. But energy's great. Here's a little here's a little video of Chucky Dev. <laughs> yeah, Chucky. and that's exactly how we want to end it on that. <laughs> Tyler Wall, Chucky Hepburn, thank you for joining us. Field of sixty after dark. We will see you guys soon. Awesome, thank you. I don't know what's better, the fact that we got Chucky Hepburn dancing multiple times or the fact that Greg Gard's like, guys, we're celebrating Pizzeria Uno it is. <laughs> Gotta love a good road win, honestly. Um, but, you know, Gio, these road wins are so hard to get, and we've talked about this, and we talked about Tyler. This team is always underrated, but when you're that underrated team, wouldn't you, do you, would you rather be in that position where you have that chip on your shoulder and no one's expecting much for, from you? Oh, 100 percent. I mean, I, I love to be in the underdog at Rutgers. And, you know, once we started getting some success, it was harder. Right? You felt more pressure. Whereas if you're the underdog, you don't really have anything to lose. You just go out and play your hardest. And and, um, you know, when you win, no one really expects it. And if you lose, there's there's less of the pressure. There's less of that social media, everyone on you, you know, you know, basically just asking what happened in the game, different stuff like that. So I think guys love being the underdog, love having that chip on their shoulder and they're showing it right now. Look, I, I like this Wisconsin team because they defend at the end of the day. And if you're going to win in the big 10, you have to be able to defend, but Kevin Sweeney, can they consistently night in and night out, have that scoring component be lethal? I mean, I want to say no, but I look up and like, they just got two really good Big Ten wins against the Maryland team that's in the top half, against an Iowa team that I think will be in the top half or so in the league on the road. They just won at Marquette. Like, in my brain, like, I look at the roster and I watch them play and I say, no, like, it's going to, it's going to, like, it's going to come to roost eventually. But it didn't, it didn't last year. It hasn't so many times at Wisconsin under Bo Ryan and now Greg Gard. So, yeah, like I, I think we have to consider him a real contender to win this thing. Like, I, I know it, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like we should when you compare their talent level to an Indiana or to an Illinois or, or to even a Purdue. But it's just like, there's something about this Wisconsin team that finds ways to win, and until that changes, they're going to be in the conversation with this league almost every year. Gio, what do you think about the fact that this Wisconsin team? Like, again, this is a team that just finds a way to grind it out defensively when you're playing against a team like that. I mean, are, who's like them in the Big Ten? Nobody. I don't think anybody's like them in the Big Ten. Um, I mean, every time we played against Wisconsin, we we knew it was just going to be a rock fight. They were going to play slow. It's going to be a low scoring game because we didn't score either. Um, you know, I don't I don't think anyone really plays like them. Uh, none. 
maybe maybe you could compare it to Villanova a little bit, you know, they, with the post ups, but that's really it. I would say I don't I don't think anyone really plays like that. One person who I've been really impressed with kind of coming on the scene has been Connor Asijan. And when you look at kind of the race for Big Ten freshman of the year, I mean, if you had to vote today, who are you voting for? It's um, so hard because you got, you got some options. He's tough. He's got swagger too. Like I, I, I really like his swagger, man. Like not, not a lot of freshmen have that shit off the jump. Especially Wisconsin. Who is Braden Smith though at Purdue? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I think it should be him or it should be Braden or Connor Asesian just because of their impact on their teams, right? Like I think Illinois has four really good freshmen, like Sky and Jaden Epps have both been really good, but I just think those two guys, Asesian and, and Braden Smith, have been so important to their team's success. And I think I would probably lean towards Smith. Maybe also Fletcher Lawyer could be in that conversation as well. I think I would lean towards Smith because he's the point guard for the team that's probably the best team in the league, a top five team in the country. That matters, but Man, oh man, has the season been good and, and just risen to the moment so many times early in his career. And for Greg Gard to have the level of trust that he has in this kid early on, I think it says a lot about who he is, not just on game day, but also every day in practice. Yeah, most definitely. I think I think you can't you can't argue him over Smith right now, just from Purdue's overall body of work. And sure. you know, it's, it's tough being a point guard in the Big Ten as a freshman. That's not that's not an easy task. He's doing it, he's not just doing it, he's excelling at it wins matter that makes uh complete sense wouldn't it now moving over to Iowa real quick look I was telling you guys during that interview how happy I am to see Connor McCaffrey playing as well as he has now that he decided to come back for that fifth year and both Patrick and Connor McCaffrey played great tonight both scored in double figures but Connor's been consistent this season especially what have you seen from him in particular Kevin he was just a lot more confident shooting the basketball. Like it, it just, I just think last year I, I didn't feel like teams necessarily respected him out there always. And you just, it, it, you were going to live with that shot, understanding what everyone else was able to do um, on, on the floor at any given time for Iowa. And I just think his confidence level was so much higher. You saw that against Iowa state, uh, saw that today. I, I've actually been really impressed with how they've responded. Right. I think they didn't play very well against Duke. You lose Chris Murray you stare down the stretch like this could get ugly. And the fact that they had a real chance to win this game uh, and to blow out Iowa State the way that he did, like, to me, that was impressive. And they've shown an ability to, to grind it out defensively uh, and muck it up a little bit. And, and that's important in this league because you're going to play a lot of games like that. Even Iowa wants to fly up and down the floor. They want to be able to shoot threes. But I think the question, when, when Iowa's been really good, it's been because they've been able to win games when it, teams are able to impose their will on the, game, on, on the, on the style. And I thought they've shown – they've shown some real strides in that. Um, and I think a lot of that's McCaffrey. And I think a lot of that is uh, Robracha as well, who's been really, really good. Yeah. Surprisingly good. He's really made a jump in his second year of the program. So I, I, I still like this group a lot. I think Tony Perkins has a chance to be one of the better guards in this league when he's at his best. And uh, when, when he plays really well and you get Chris back, this team's going to be as tough as anyone in this conference. And even and going back to McCaffrey, like basketball is just such a, a mental game and, he came in as a shooter, like his freshman year, he was a shooter. And then he had a couple of years where he kind of disappeared. And, you know, once you have that, like that bill as a non-shooter and everyone's telling you, you can't shoot and you're looking at the numbers and you're not shooting well. It's like all that adds up inside your head. Sometimes you just need a year to reset, get your confidence back and, and come back stronger. And I think he's doing that right now. And, you know, I'm happy for him because, you know, he can shoot. Like there's no reason that he shouldn't be making shots, but it just shows how how much of a mental game basketball really is. 
I'm glad you brought up Tony Perkins, by the way, Kevin, because I was almost more impressed with him down the stretch, how he reacted on the deep. He got frustrated defensively and you saw what happened. Fran McCaffrey got teed up because of, of how that kind of all went down the stretch with some of the calls, but for Tony Perkins to stay as con- composed as he did down the stretch, especially in the, with like 10 seconds left to go, he gets, he scores on a bucket, comes back, kind of fakes like he's going to go, comes over, strips the ball, gets it to Patrick McAfee. Like his composure down the stretch to me was a huge factor tonight, even why that game was close. So shout out for Tony Perkins from that. My question to both of you, how different does this game look with Chris Murray? Um, I mean, he's a beast that's what but I Wisconsin defensively how I mean they've been able to kind of prove they can shut down big time players I don't I don't think Iowa loses that game with Chris Murray it's just I I think you're right but I also think like it was still going to be a, a slop regardless like oh, that game yeah. was going to be played in the mud and it was going to come down to a couple couple plays at the end of the game and that's what it was and Wisconsin found a way to make those plays so all the credit to them, and you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully Chris is back soon. He's one of the most exciting players to watch in the country. He's been a lot of fun. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, let's transition now. Geo Baker in his Rutgers sweatshirt. Um, oh. uh, a little bit of a slugfest in Piscataway. Seton Hall, oh. Rutgers. Final score, 45-43. I mean, Gio, let's just give it to you. And what do you want to talk about with this? <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, so I was sitting right there. I was courtside watching the game. Um, just it was it was an ugly basketball game, to say the least. Um, I think Rutgers had 19 turnovers in the game. I think Seton Hall had like 16 uh, you could tell there was a lot of jitters. I mean, in a rivalry game like this, like for people who aren't from Jersey and they don't know, right? Like there's like real hate, like on the court. Like they players do not like each other, even if they're friends off the court. Once you get like once you start the game, there is real deal hate from both sides. And I think that both teams kind of felt that. Like they there was a lot of jitters, a lot of bad passes, ugly plays, charges, people were out of control. And it was on both sides. And, you know, obviously seeing Hall just made a little a little bit more plays down the stretch. I, I thought that Rutgers just didn't do what they needed to do down the stretch, which, um, you know, is always going to hurt. But 19 turnovers, you're, you're not going to win a lot of basketball games with 19 turnovers. What's interesting, though, is seeing Hall only had nine points off of those 19 turnovers. So it's not as if they were super efficient with it. But 12 steals, I mean, you can't get any sort of offensive flow going remotely if you're giving the ball up 12 times on steals, Kevin. Yeah, I mean, it was just... It was so ugly. I mean, I, I, I can't, can't emphasize it enough. I, 
I think it was almost- high school score 45, yeah. 43. Do we have a shot clock? Was the shot clock working tonight? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't even know. Listen, I was sitting there with my, my hands like this, man. It was, it was real painful. And even just like the home court advantage wasn't even really there because there was just never a flow. Like there was never a flow. And credit to Scene Hall. They did, they did really, ju- really good job with the game plan. Like Cliff Amarui did not get a lot of touches. Rutgers didn't really run a ton of offense. You know, Paul couldn't really get to his spots. They did a really good job of taking away the key players. And McKay was one for six. Yeah, I, I just think, like, I don't think Seton Hall's done a good job this year taking punches. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just think, and I get his first year under Shaheen, and he's talked about how they haven't been tough enough. I know after the Siena game, like, he went in there and was like, Siena had the two best players on the floor. We weren't very tough. I don't know who wants to be here. You know, the whole whole, whole deal. And I thought – they came out against Kansas early and hung in. Uh, but as soon as the game started to shift on them a little bit, it was just, it, you know, uh, it, it just super downhill. And I, I thought that was what was going to happen today. I thought when Rutgers could punch them a little bit, take a lead, there it would go. And there was a couple points, like in the second half, I think Rutgers went up four a couple times. Okay. Like this is where, this is where it all swings, right? Like Rutgers hits a three, maybe Seton Hall takes timeout ball game over. Right. Like that's what that was what it felt like, especially in a game like this, like seven points was a huge amount of points in this basketball game. And it just never got there. And I think it's a credit to, you know, those guys at Seton Hall for continuing to fight and continue to believe. I think sometimes a game like this, a rivalry game can be the best thing for you because it forced them to come ready, because if not, you were going to get punked in front of everybody and, and be embarrassed about it. And I just think there was a different edge to, to this group and, and they were as tough as Rutgers. And it's really hard to be as tough as Rutgers at the rack. Uh, and, and they found a way to win. So all the credit to them could be a season changing win for Seton Hall. Um, you know, especially knowing Big East plays coming up starting uh, this coming weekend. So um, just, just huge for them, obviously a game Rutgers would have loved to have. Um, but I, I just was impressed with the resolve for, from Seton Hall. I just don't think it's been there to start the year. And it was today. Like, let's be clear. The rack's one of the hardest places maybe in the country to play at. I mean, Gio, why is it so hard to play there? An interesting two-part question. Why wasn't that home court advantage felt tonight? Listen, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out why it is so hard to play. It is like it, that place has some weird, some weird magic going on there. Just the shape of the arena, but number one, Jersey people are, are insane. Jersey people are crazy. So that's the first thing. Rutgers truly feels like a, like a family. Like even when I'm walking around and I'm talking to all the fans, like, I got random like moms kissing me on the head and like they like tell me that they look at me as like their child and like and I'm like at first I'm like huh but then when you go home you're like damn like that's really how the fans feel and you know they show that passion every single night when when Rutgers is playing but today there just wasn't a flow and like when you're when you're not shooting well and there's nothing really there wasn't a lot they didn't get a ton of steals like there wasn't any of that of that uh, Rutgers passion on the court, it was hard for it to translate into the, into the rack as well. So I, I think it was just a tough night overall for everyone. This is still though a team at the end of the day that's going to play. We talk about with Wisconsin, they're going to play defense. Rutgers is going to play defense as well. I mean, you saw that happen with Indiana, right? Where you get that huge win uh, over the Hoosiers. Why, uh, or rather, what do you see with this Rutgers team competing for one of those top, let's go four spots in the Big Ten. Is it possible? Because think, of how they defend. I think it's possible. I think it's possible. I mean, you look at, you know, they, they should be 2-0 and in the Big Ten right now, right? You know, obviously, the Ohio State game happened the way it did. Um, but the way they're defending, 
the leadership that they have, right? These are guys who have been through it, right? Caleb McConnell, Paul McKay, Cliff O'Marie, they've seen it all. They know exactly what to expect in the Big Ten. They've been in the battles. They've lost the bad games. They've lost the good games. They've won the good games. They've won the bad games. They've been, they've seen everything that you can think of in college basketball. And then you got a guy like Coach Peichel who he's not going to sleep tonight. Like he's going to, he's going to figure it out. He's going to get them ready for the next game. Like that's hundred percent going to happen. So you have that leadership, you have that experience, you know, that's always a recipe for success in my opinion. He probably hasn't slept much over the course of the last week between the Ohio state game and this uh, one. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's not, he's not going to be sleeping tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the one thing with, with Rutgers, like for them to be at the, in the upper echelon of this league, it's to me, it's about the, secondary pieces right like cam spencer hyatt uh mag Derek simpson like those guys as they continue to grow into their roles and i think hyatt's had some really impressive performances this year it's really made it offensively has helped them a lot like if they get that consistency from him if they get cam spencer continuing to kind of find his feel in this offense he's had such a good start to the year been quieter lately like if they get those two guys playing at a really high level consistently in Big Ten play, they're going to be a tough out because all of a sudden you've got threats all over the court offensively and you know they're going to guard. Gio, for you looking at this Rutgers team, because like you have, I mean, no one knows it better than you. What is the best part about this team and what concerns you most? I mean, the best part so far has been the defense. I mean, the way they've been playing on the defensive end, they're connected, they're playing hard. I mean, Cam Spencer's been all over the court against steals, uh, which no one really expected. They did most of that without Caleb, right, the, the start of the season. Now you got Caleb McConnell coming back, obviously the reigning defensive player of the year. Uh, the way their, like, roster is built, there's a ton of length, ton of athleticism, the way they're switching defenses. It's it's like it's a top five team in the country defensively so far, that what they've shown. But the one thing that I'm worried about is, is and we saw it today, was the end of the game situations, right? Who's going to take that big shot? And I think they have guys who are capable, but they just still, they're still learning who is going to be the one, who is the guy who is, listen, I'm taking the ball and I'm taking the last shot. Whereas last year, obviously you had Ron and you had me and neither of us cared if we made it, if we missed it, we were going to take the shot either way. And I think that's just something that they need to develop. And one of these, one of those guys has to step up and say, hey, look, this is, this is my team at the end of the game. I'm going to take that shot. Because at the end of the game today, you, you, no one really knew. It was a little shaky. Right. Um, moving on to Minnesota now. Gio, sorry, you got to, you know, kind of sit with this one for a minute. But you got Wake Forest coming up. Could be fun. We'll see what happens on the stretch. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, look, it's college basketball. These losses happen. You just got a short memory. Move forward. Wake Forest should be a good one for sure. Uh, right now we got Minnesota, Mississippi state wrapping up down the stretch, Minnesota, um, not winning to say the least down 69, 51, but the job Mississippi state has been able to do this year, Kevin, what stuck out to you about them? Yeah. I just think like Chris Jans is, is a former Juco coach. And I think what he's had to do with this roster is, is very kind of Juco S like it's a bunch of new faces. Let's piece it together. Let's get everybody to play hard and let's defend and see where the chips fall. And that's what they've done. I think they've been fortunate. Um, to have some of those guys come back, they need a couple dudes to come back. And Tolu Smith, DJ Jeffries, those guys have helped smooth the transition over uh, and given an opportunity. Like Smith is one of the better bigs in the country that no one talks about. There's so many great bigs, right? You're the big, the almanac, whatever. Like this dude, Tolu Smith, is averaging 16 and 10 on 61% for the field. Like that dude is a monster. Uh, and gives them an opportunity to be, I think, one of the better teams in the SEC. Look, they haven't been tested at a super high level. I don't think this is a team that's going to be 
in the top 25 all season long and at the top of the SEC all season long, but they're a tournament team and they beat a very good Marquette team that we can talk about in a bit as well. Like this is, this is a Mississippi state team that is clearly ahead of schedule. And I think, again, it's just because Chris Jans is, is a consummate winner. He won, I think 79% of his games at New Mexico state um, was an elite Juco coach was with Greg Marshall at Wichita state. Like those, those are winning bloodlines. And it's so it's, it's not surprising to me that they're, they're winning, maybe it's surprising that they're undefeated, but uh, just a credit to, to Chris Jans and some of the returning guys who I think have helped smooth the transition a little bit. Yeah, credit, credit to their defense. I think they won a couple games in the 50s so far this year. Um, and even right now, they're holding Minnesota to 51. I mean, defense carries, right? Defense carries on the road, carries the championships. Like, that's that's college basketball. If you're playing defense, then you always have a chance to win the game, and then defense will dictate your offense. So I'm really impressed with how they've been defensively so far this year. Uh, speaking of defense, not a lot of it in South Bend today as Marquette absolutely blew out the Irish. I mean, this Marquette team is so interesting to me. Uh, they they show like spurts where you're like, oh, my God, can anybody stop them? But then sometimes you're like, can anybody like get something out of them? Yeah, I like I think the thing with Marquette is they're always going to be they're always going to ebb and flow offensively because outside of Cam Jones, they don't have another really consistent shot maker, but I think they're just so good at making teams play the way that they want to play and kind of mucking it up. And I just thought like, like, and Mike Bryce said post game, like we're just not ready to play these types of games anymore because we're in the ACC and not the big East. And we used to play a lot of these games when we were a big East program. And now in the ACC, like we don't play, these like super grimy, super grimy games with physical pressure defense. And that's what Shaka brings every single night. And look, I'm, I'm sure that was a challenge to his guys to be a little bit more, uh, more, more physical, more tough in a way only Mike Bray can, can give that challenge. But like, to me, when Marquette has it going defensively and they're kind of in their mojo and you have Cam Jones scoring the ball and you have this continued emergence from Oso Aguadero, who's become uh, just a huge weapon on both ends of the floor uh, 16 points, 18 rebounds today, including seven offensive rebounds. They're not going to be an easy out in, in this conference. And to me, they're the third best team in the Big East. I've seen Xavier a bunch. I saw Marquette um, when I was up in uh, Milwaukee for the Baylor game a couple weeks ago. Like to me, this is the third best team in the league outside of uh, Creighton and and obviously UConn. And honestly, at this point, they're playing a lot better than Creighton is. Like, I'll believe in the upside with Creighton. I know that they have all the pieces in the world to become one of the better teams in college basketball, but you play a conference tournament right now, I would take Marquette's odds over, over Creighton's. I mean, Marquette is playing that well. And that's a, with, with what they lost, that's a huge, huge statement on how good a job that the Chaka is doing because to lose Justin Lewis and Daryl Morsell and be just as good, if not better than you were a season ago. Whew, that's really impressive. I mean, Notre Dame just didn't play any defense. Like, I mean, they- <laughs> Couldn't keep him out of the paint. I mean, Fifty was, points in the paint. Yeah, like, I mean, and, and you know, obviously the pressure defense from Marquette, and and you know, he he's saying that they're not used to playing against these Big East teams. I mean, if you can't play defense, you're not going to win against anybody. It has nothing to do with Big East ACC. I mean, that was that was the problem from what I saw. They couldn't keep anyone out of the lane, and and that leads to points in the paint, leads to kick out threes. You're going to have all types of problems no matter what you're doing on the offensive end. And you start four seniors, right? Like at some point, like, I don't, I don't care what, what league you're playing in, what, what, how the game is played, whatever, like be tougher, like keep the ball out the lane. Like, it's not that hard. 
Gio, by the way, I do appreciate your appreciation of defense because you're constantly throughout this last hour giving shout outs in a world where everybody wants to talk about offense. You're like, hey, let's hunker down here and talk about defense, everyone. Listen, you guys saw my team play the past five years. We had no <laughs> offense. We were <laughs> we were not good on offense, but we found ways to win. And that was because of defense. And, and that's what Coach Pico instills in us. And, and you know. You know, that's that's what's going to carry you at the end of the day. You can't control if you're making or missing shots. But what you can't control is effort, defensive pressure, rebounding, little things like that. And, and um, you know, as long as young guys are learning that and they're preparing that way, you're, you're going to be better from it. I was most impressed, by the way, with Marquette today from the standpoint of they went on the road and only had three turnovers. That's impressive. It, it helped that uh, it helped that South Bend sounded like uh, Pfizer Forum South. I mean, there was a lot of Marquette fans down there in South Bend. Today. I, I thought it was a neutral court game until like the very end of the game, and I realized <laughs> I saw the logo. I was like, wait. So no, good. it's true. I mean, well, first off, that that Notre Dame shade of green that you kind of see all around. Although you look inside Notre Dame's, I feel like Notre Dame's um, needs to talk about their coloring. Because I see neon green half the time. Is it navy? Is it buff and blue? Like, what are the actual colors? Because I've got some questions uh, for the marketing department as such. But I want to credit to Shaka Smart here because he we've seen it from back when he was at VCU. He's so like he's so easy to root for. Um, he just to me is about the right stuff. Like his teams are always going to like, you know, be high caliber. They're going to play hard. They're going to make right decisions. They're going to be smart. And you're kind of seeing that play out of Marquette and he hasn't been there very long. And now you're saying to me, you're putting him in on your Mount Rushmore of big East teams right now. I I just think like, it's just a much more comfortable fit for him. And we've talked about it since the day he got the job. And we talked about it when they beat Illinois in the first week of the year last year, but I mean, I go up there and, and you're watching a game at Marquette and they're counting kills and deflections on the video board, right? Like, I don't think anyone in Texas knows what a kill is. Like, yeah. I, it's just it's just a different culture. It's not a place at Texas where you're going to develop players and get, you know, three and four year guys. And I just think, like, you look at this team, Osegadero is a junior, barely played as a freshman, rotation player as a sophomore, starter as a junior. Uh, Tyler Kolick is a second-year guy in the program, transfers in from George Mason, tough physical kid. Cam Jones comes off the bench as a freshman. Now he's one of the best scorers in the Big East. Omax, rotation player into, you know, starter, double-figure scorer, right? Like, this whole roster is built with guys who have gotten better with Shaka, who understand their scheme, who know how they want to play. And I just think that's so valuable in, in, in college basketball. And look, there's not ever, there are places where you have to operate a different way, right? Like at Texas, you're going to get one and done kids. You're going to flip the roster over. You're going to have super talent, have to manage those egos and whatever. And that's not, that's not meant for everyone, right? Like not everyone's going to thrive that there. Point, Chris Beard has that personality to handle it. Right. Beard, yeah. Beard, Beard is a perfect yeah. fit for Texas. He's, and he wants to be out, you know, engaging the students and running around throwing rallies and doing fireside chats and whatever it takes to get people engaged. That's just who Chris Beard is. That's not really who Shaka is. And that's okay. Right. Like everybody has the job for them. Like, like Steve Peichel is Rutgers, right? Like Steve Peichel fits that place a million percent. And from the accent to the way y'all play. Yes. A hundred percent. And I just think like Shaka is in a similar spot where he fits Marquette so well, he fit VC really well. And, And I'm happy he's at a place where, he fits because like you said, Megan, they're just, they're easy to root for and easy to watch right now. Oh my gosh. So easy to root for and watch. Uh, and, and to that point, like how, how they're going to steal some games in the big East. 
Like, I will not be surprised if they knock off UConn at some point. I'm not going to be surprised they knock off Creighton. Like, nothing will surprise me with this team. They play Creighton on Friday uh, in Milwaukee. So that will, the, the tests are not getting any easier for, for this Creighton team that's struggling right now because the last thing I would want to do if I was at that, that Creighton team right now is walk into that arena and that environment. It's going to be tough. Tough well, sledding. They're lucky they're not coming off a loss in Notre Dame, but they're playing with a lot of confidence right now coming off that win over – or coming off a win, rather, over Notre Dame. Um, last Big Ten team we're going to talk about tonight, Northwestern. Big win over Prairie View, A&M, Kevin Sweeney. Um, we talked about this before we went on. Matt Nicholson, I'm excited about him. Big, he's playing well. He's rebounding the ball well. He's strong. He's setting screens. He's doing some little things. Big one for the Cats, and not to mention two in a row with this Michigan State win as well. Yeah, it was you had to hold serve here, right? So easy to look ahead. You had a rivalry game next week. You're coming off a huge win. It's finals time. Like they came out really slow. Didn't I think scored 24 points in the first half? Just had to find a way. They found a way. Uh, hold serve, move on to the next. And they have done a good job this year of avoiding the types of losses that you you feel in league play, right? Like the the door. Uh, assuming they navigate UIC and Brown before the end of the year, the door will be open for, you know, postseason basketball entering conference play. And that's all you really want, right? Like we talked about how tough this league is one through 14, especially these top, you know, 13 teams that Minnesota's obviously struggled. Um, but like, what, how does Northwestern stack up? I, I'm not sure that they stack up very well compared to a lot of these other big 10 teams, but they've proven they can hang, right? They've proven they can defend at a high level in games like the Michigan state game games, like the Auburn game, um, you know, games like, you know, Liberty and Georgetown, which they really did a good job defensively in today, they hold their opponents 51 points. Like they have that, they have those tools to be in a lot of games of the big 10 and have a chance to, to win them late. And that's been a problem in, in recent years is finishing down the stretch of games. We'll see if it's different this year, but a game like today where they're on the ropes early, that's a, that's a big step. Well, they're playing with a lot more poise, too, yeah. you've seen this season. Like, Boo Booey is playing more poised. Robbie Barron had a double-double tonight, 20-12. and 12. Like, this team where you saw them making mistakes, they have some more maturity now, and I think it's starting to show. And like I said, big, huge fan of Matt Nicholson right now. He's been awesome. I don't know if you can call today's win a big win, though, Megan. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm just trying to give a little love. You can see the the end over there. You got two Northwestern. I see it. I see it. I see it. There's a little too much Northwestern on this call. And I'm saying that that's what Every and Kevin, I mean, Gio, you should know of all people, every win is a big win. And big <laughs> when you can piece together wins. Come on now. Oh no, you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm I, know, just I know you're feeling I'm a little down. I'm healthy right now. I'm in, I'm still in a bad mood. My bad. That's okay. on me. Well, we'll give you a pass on that. Uh before we wrap up some reactions from this weekend. It was kind of a, a wild weekend. First off, let's talk about Gio's second favorite team, the Indiana Hoosiers getting kind of blasted <laughs> by Arizona. Gio, your takeaway, my man. Listen, they're, they're soft. Um, I think that's, that's the biggest thing right now. They got killed on the glass. Um, you know, they got killed on the glass against Rutgers, which is what I said in the preseason show that nobody is going to get punked by Indiana. And on, but honestly though, you know, with, Put Jafino out like that really hurts them. You know, they they are missing that playmaker. Now that he is out, it is basically the same team as last year, right? Where they don't have any shooters. They don't have any playmaking from the wing, um, but they're but they're soft and, and that needs to change. Right. And and I, I think I think it will change. They have the experience this year. They have the guys who have been through the battles. So, um, you know, but at the end of the day, you need to look in the mirror and, and realize that you're not as tough as you should be. 
Would, yeah. you, would you say, Kevin, is it fair to say Indiana got a little overconfident from that UNC win? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, because they faced another team that wasn't ready to be physical with them, right? Like Carolina has got has fallen in love with jump shot. And I thought you saw that at Assembly Hall. I think also this is a very different Indiana team at home versus away from home right now. I think their crowd has just been such a factor. I think will help them in conference play, but they, I think they need to, they need to find a way to bring the fight to opposing teams. And I just thought Arizona did that to them. Uh, Arizona's a great team, right? They won Maui, but this is the one random loss on the road at Utah, tough road environment, high altitude, et cetera. Like, They've been really good. So I, 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 it's not an alarm bells loss for me. It's more the fact that you give up 16 offensive rebounds and you give up 89 points. Like you're going to have to be able to get stops in this, in this league, compete for a big 10 championship. And they just couldn't get stops uh, against Arizona. I think, I think too, what hurts Indiana is the preseason expectations that everyone had. Oh. Like, like by no means is Indiana, a bad basketball team. Like they are still a top half team in the big 10, but if we're saying that they're going to win the Big Ten, like that's where I, you know, I think I would start pumping the brakes a little bit. What's it like to feel right, Geo? Like at this point, I mean, you got <laughs> some hate on Twitter from from the Indiana folk, and you I mean you you've been like very, you know, um, you've been cool about it. But like, do you feel you know kind of good for your prediction, kind of being on par? I'm feeling all right. I'm feeling You're very right. humble. You know, it's it's all love at the end of the day. Just like a little, just a little trash talk. Don't want to don't want to say too much, you know. But uh, we'll see though, because Rutgers still has to go to Indiana as well, and and that's a really hostile environment. So um, don't want to toot my horn a little too much. But if Rutgers wins that one, then I, you'll see me all over social media. It'll be bad. It'll be really bad. We need to make sure that Joe Baker's on Philly 68 that night. If that happens, he has to make like a special cameo. We can't like schedule it in case they do lose. But if, if Rutgers wins that game in assembly hall, like it's just gotta be. This is my thing, right? As a competitor, like when Rutgers first joined the big 10, like Indiana was the one, their fan base was the ones hating the absolute most. Sure. Like calling out Rutgers. They weren't calling us by our name. They were saying Rucker, like all these different things. And it's like, you guys haven't been good in a century. Like it's been, it's been a really long time and um, you know, just gotta let them know. Like you guys aren't that same team anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta gotta let them know. Okay. And and there it is. So we're going to be circling Rutgers and Deanna on our calendars. Do we know what, do you know when that game ends? I can pull it up right now. It might be in February. I could be wrong though. Indiana. Tuesday, February 7th. Mark your calendar, folks. It's going to be point, appointment viewing. Uh, rematch. The rematch is happening. Uh, while we're in the Big Ten, let's stick with uh, Purdue for now. I mean, look, that was a close call. Nebraska, who a lot better than they were last year, knocked off Creighton earlier this season. Um, you know, Purdue kind of holds on, but at the end of the day, a W is a W. I don't think there's any cause for concern. Like, this this shit happens, right? Like, especially at this time of the year, everyone's tired. We're getting into finals week. There's kind of this weird lull between like, yes, you're playing some conference games, but you got some non-conference sprinkled in. No one can really establish a flow, but I don't think there's any cause for concern with Purdue, despite the fact that there was a very close call with Nebraska Sweeney. Yeah, I go back and forth. Like on one hand, it's kind of surprising that Purdue gives up 19 offensive rebounds to Nebraska and lets Nebraska hang in physically. That's just not something a lot of teams can do. And I think it does speak to the job that uh, 
Nebraska has done this year. They are just a different team, I think, mentality-wise than they've been. I think they've been, and we talk about soft teams, I think they've been one of the softest teams in the Big Ten consistently, and this year there is a toughness about them because of some of the older guys, Bandamel, Derek Walker, Greasel, like those guys are tough, and that's helped them a lot. But I'm not, I'm not that concerned about Purdue. They didn't shoot it great, and they found a way, they turned it over a little bit more than they expect to, and they found a way to run went on the road. Zach Eady did his worst game of the year, they found a way to win on the road. So I think this is a great Purdue team. Um, I don't know if I will put them number one. I know there will be, you know, push. Maybe they should be the number one team in the country uh, tomorrow morning with the AP poll. Virginia could be on the mix. UConn could be on that mix. A few other teams, but I don't know if I'll put Purdue one, but they've earned their spot near the top. And I'm not that I'm not raising too many alarm bells off of a tough road performance. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm not, I'm not really, uh, I don't think there's too much concern for them. The one thing you just don't want that to turn into a habit of, you know, all these teams getting offensive rebounds on you and, and coach painter is a great coach. He's going to make sure that they see the film and they understand that this can't happen again. And if you think about it, they were getting great looks. Like they had a lot of open shots they were just missing. And and before those were falling and that's when they were beating, you know, some of the other teams that they played earlier in the season, people were taking away 80 and they were getting the good looks uh, from three, but it just, they weren't dropping. That's all it really was. And you're going to have bad shooting nights. When you're on the road as well in the Big Ten, which, I mean, any conference game, right? It doesn't matter if you're in the Big Ten, the Big 12, the SEC, ACC. Like, you, it's hard to win on the road. Um, and if anything, I just think it goes to show the parity in the Big Ten this year. I mean, probably with the exception of Minnesota, any given day, it does not matter who you're playing. Like, anyone can win. Nebraska's got an underrated arena. I like that. Oh, it's great, isn't it? It is. It is amazing. No one talks about it because they're not good. But like their arena is insane. I mean, you think about it, there's nothing else out there. Like, what are they going to put all their money into? Like, so they're putting all their money in that arena. It is, it is top tier. Like you walk out there, you feel like you're in a pro game. Like it's Mm -hmm. cool. I got to say like Lincoln could be one of my favorite big 10 towns because they've kind of redone little Haymarket square down there where the arena is. They got some good restaurant options. My favorite coffee shop in the big tens right down there. Shout out to the mill. Like I think Nebraska, honestly, with like, it's unfortunate that they haven't been as good because that's a fan base. Like the women's team has been really good and that fan base is incredible and loud and it's really fun. And, and that's the type of school, like if you're really good, you, you can totally pitch that in recruiting. Like, Hey, look at every, there's nothing to do in like Nebraska. Everyone comes to this game. Everyone like, it's like a family, right. With UGO. Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent, especially with NIL going on too. I mean, people mm-hmm. like all their NIL money into into Nebraska because the money's not going anywhere else. They don't have a, a Mets, a Giants, a Eagles, or, you know, everything going on, the Knicks. They don't have all that. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to help them a lot in recruiting. All right. We'll see down the stretch. Before I let you two go, if you had to vote, you get your AP hat on, who's your number one team in the country? UConn. They've been dominant. Uh, just dominant. Got to be UConn. Did Rob Doster uh, text you beforehand saying, I'll fire you if you don't <laughs> he, say that? He writes my checks, so I can't, yeah. I can't confirm or deny. Yeah. I just said uh, Marquette might beat UConn. He's not going to like me very much after this. Yeah, I was going to I was gonna respond. I don't think Marquette can beat UConn right now. They're, I don't uh, think anyone can beat UConn right now. Yeah, I think, I think they're definitely number one, and hopefully Rob will give me a bonus for saying that. So. Yeah. Uh, I will clarify my statement, by the way. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat them, but I don't think that they would necessarily. So let's be clear on that. I'm with you. UConn's my number one team. The way they've been playing down the stretch, it's been fantastic. So I think there's uh, they're going to have to throw a lot at them in order to – anybody's going to have to throw a lot at UConn right now to win. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Kevin Sweeney, Geo Baker, 
Have yourselves a wonderful Sunday evening. We'll see you later on Field of 68 After Dark.